Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. I recently bought a very rundown fixer upper in a city in a more rural area an hour from where I live. Next door lives a couple, maybe in their late 40s, with their two young kids aged maybe one and three years old. For the first few weeks, I assumed he was divorced as I never saw his wife even now, I've only seen her twice in three months. At the beginning, when I first started fixing up the house, he was your typical, friendly neighbor character, offering to lend me tools and giving slightly overbearing, but good he works in a DIY outlet advice. 
I thought nothing of it, until it seemed I saw more and more of him with each visit every time I was there he would kind of saunter over for no reason. We do share a driveway, so this is not overly strange, but it often seemed like whenever I was outside he would suddenly pop out of his house and find a reason to chat. Now, I'm not a flirt, and I don't look like Marilyn Monroe plus he's met my husband, but I do think he thinks I'm much younger than him I'm not, hence the slightly overbearing demeanor. However, I do like my quiet time and privacy, and one reason I like do it yourself is because I do it alone, and it gives me time to think. Today things got weird. I'd been seeing him virtually every time I came to the house, so I was already sort of dreading coming out to try and finish the renovation ASAP. For the first time, I actually parked my car around the corner, not in our shared driveway, with the excuse that I was leaving the space free for the gas company who were coming that day. The car was out of sight, I'd let the gas man in quietly through the front door i.e. not in direct view of his windows, and afterwards I was just doing quiet work like painting again, so he wouldn't hear me and find some excuse to come over. I was already hiding from him in my own house. Then I hear knocking on the back door. I peek out a side window and see him there with his daughter. I'm a little surprised that he even knew I was there, but for once decided not to open like I usually would. I just didn't want to be friendly to him as much anymore. He goes away. Maybe 15 minutes later, I'm happily painting away when I hear another knocking on the back door. I ignore it again. Then he comes round to the front door, rings the doorbell once, then immediately begins to pound on the quite fragile door. It was the kind of bashing that said, I know you are in there and I will not be ignored. Really aggressive and not a little alarming. So of course I have no choice to answer the door since it really did sound like he was going to break it. He's there, without his daughter, and invites me over to lunch. This is a first. And though I know it might be rude to say no, I made the excuse that I was veggie true, and that he'd probably made a meat dish. He had. He was frowning as he said all this, and it really set alarm bells off in my head. He has never invited me to lunch before, and even though he has a young daughter present, I just felt it's a trap in my head. Then he said, still frowning, I'll see you later. Not in a casual, see ya if I see ya tone, but a, I plan to see you no matter what way. He actually nodded to himself as he said this. Sorry for the length. So folks, is this guy still just a well-meaning but overbearing ass? Or am I right to feel creeped out? He's always had this intense undertone, all the while as he tries to show what a nice guy he is. I just don't like him. Even worse, the house needs another week of work before I can finish it, and I just don't want to go there again. Not sure what to do. Edit words. Edit two. Thank you. Thank you everyone for your advice and support. It's really good to know I'm not imagining things. I mean, I never liked this guy from the start, but for the sake of keeping neighborly peace, I was willing to be polite. Not anymore, he can go F himself. Also, I failed to mention that yesterday was the first time I had been in the house in 10 days. First day back at do-it-yourself, he comes right over to pull this shit. Makes it even more creepy. Part 2. Thank you again for all your advice, it really helped crystallize what was going on. So a brief update. I haven't been to the house alone since all this happened, with the aggressive banging on the door and extremely stocky vibes. What I did over the last few weeks been there with my husband to clear out my tools, possessions, etc. 
hired a handyman to finish the repairs not exactly cheap but well worth it. Remotely managed the repairs via email, checked on the place with husband. Place looks good. On the first visit back accompanied by my husband, I saw to my dismay that the neighbor's car was parked in the shared driveway. Evidently, he had the Friday off. It was snowing, it was 8 a.m., and it was very cold, i.e., not a time to casually pop out of the house in a t-shirt and pretend to shovel a few measly feet of snow around the front door. Nevertheless, as we pulled into the driveway and got out of the car, naturally the front door of the neighbor's house flies open, and of course the creep jumps out in a t-shirt. It was like 25 female to wave hi. Why he felt the need to do this I have no idea. My husband summed it up perfectly. What a twat, he said in a low voice. Otherwise, haven't seen the neighbor since. There's still a little final work to do on the house, and when the time comes I'm just going to sell it. It's just too creepy a neighborhood or town. Thanks again for confirming my bad gut feeling. Stay sexy and stay safe, everyone. My neighbor Jack adopted a border collie two weeks ago. At least, that's what I thought. Now I'm not so sure. I first saw Toto out on a walk. He was sniffing some of the flowers growing next to the sidewalk as Jack waited, scrolling through his cell phone. Wow, you got a dog, I called out, waving. I certainly did. His name's Toto. Border Collie Mix. Toto stopped sniffing the flowers and glanced up at me. I'd encountered many dogs on this street, and they ran the whole gamut of dog greetings, from curious sniffs to protective growling to jumping up and licking my face. None of them just stared at me like Toto did. Wow, he's beautiful, and so big for a collie mix. I began to crouch down. Can I pet him? Oh, actually, he's a little shy, Jack said. Having a little trouble adapting, you know, but I'm sure he'll warm up in a few days. He tugged gently on the leash. Come on, Toto. I watched as they walked away from me. The next time I saw Toto, I was dropping something off for Jack, He'd lent me his drill for a home improvement project, and I'd never returned it. But when I rang the doorbell, I didn't hear the usual barking I did with other dog owners. Instead, just the pat-pat-pat of feet against wood. And then Toto's face was in the glass inset of the door, staring out at me. Not barking or growling or pawing at the door. Just staring. Before I could think anything of it, Jack's footsteps sounded through the hall, and the door swung open. Hey, Amir. Just wanted to give you this back. Oh, thanks. Hey, why don't you come in? I'm just about to pull some cookies out of the oven. Jack was an avid baker, and I couldn't say no to his cookies. I stepped inside and followed the warm cinnamon smell to the kitchen. Toto followed behind me. But I could tell something was off. I don't have a dog, but I have a lot of friends with dogs. And we can always tell the dog is coming our way when we hear that mistakable clicking sound of its nails against the floor. It was instinctual at this point hear that sound and scarf down the last bit of steak, or put the chocolate out of reach, or get ready to get licked on the face. This dog didn't make that sound. No clicking of nails against the wooden floor. Just sort of a dull thump, thump, thump with each step. I glanced back at Toto and I realized his movements were a little odd, too. His steps were a little jerky, a little stiff, a little clumsy for a dog of his build. He wasn't limping or anything, just overall, the movements didn't look quite right. 
Hope you like snickerdoodles, Jack said, pulling the tray out of the oven. Wow, they look amazing. My Nana's recipe, he said proudly. Ate these every day after school. Fond memories. I picked up a cookie and took a bite. But I had an audience. Toto was staring at me. Well, that wasn't weird. Dogs love to stare at people's food. I was just about to ask Jack if these cookies were safe for dogs, but his phone went off. Oh, sorry man, gotta take this, he muttered as he disappeared down the hall and into the office. I sat down at the kitchen table. Toto didn't move, just stared at me from across the kitchen. Weirdly, he wasn't licking his lips or anything as he stared hungrily at the cookie in my hand. You're a weird dog, but I like you, I said. The dog continued to stare. I'm sorry I can't give you any cookie. I don't know if they're safe. More staring. You're going to like it here. It's a good neighborhood. He canted his head. And as he did, I realized there was something off. Something about the way the light bounced off his fur. It was a little too shiny, a little too perfectly groomed for a rough and tumble collie dog. I squinted at him, studying him. And then I heard something. A quiet, rushing sound, like a whisper. And I guess I must have been imagining it, but it almost sounded like... God, it almost sounded like someone whispering. Help me. I stared at the dog. Sorry about that, Jack said, wandering back in. I just had to take that. It was a new client, and we're trying to keep him. How do you like the cookies? They were amazing, I said, standing up. But I've got to go. Mandy and the girls will be back from softball any time now, and I'm supposed to have dinner ready. Oh, dinner duty, huh? He motioned at the snickerdoodles. Take some back with you. Say you made them from scratch. Mandy knows I can't bake like that, but thanks. I stepped out the front door, waving back at Jack and Toto. Jack waved, grinning. The dog just stared at me as usual. But this time, his black, glassy eyes sent chills down my spine. I swear, there's something messed up about that dog. The girls were asleep, and Mandy and I were enjoying some much-needed quality time. We sat on the couch with a bottle of wine, an episode of The Office in the background as we talked about our days. Mandy was surprisingly interested in the story. So you've never heard him bark? No. And he walks weird, and just stares at you? Yep. She shook her head, laughing. That does sound really weird. Even weirder than Aunt Polly's dog. Remember her? Is that the one that makes the weird screeching sound? Yeah. We laughed about it, hung out some more, and then eventually went to sleep. But even an hour after Mandy had fallen asleep around midnight, I was lying wide awake, thinking about that dog. And then, I decided to do something really stupid. I probably never would have done it if I hadn't drunk three glasses of wine. But with liquid courage, I crept downstairs and slipped out of the house. The lights were still on in Jack's house. When I got there, I ducked behind his hydrangea and peered into the window. Golden light spilled into the living room from the kitchen. Jack was sitting on the couch, looking at his laptop. Toto was lying on the floor, his black eyes glittering in the low light. Surprisingly, he didn't seem to detect my presence at all. After several minutes, Jack shut the laptop and disappeared down the hallway. Toto watched him, but didn't follow. I was about to go back home, and then I saw it. Toto stood up 
and then, using the couch to balance himself, he stood up again. He was standing on two legs. I watched with wide eyes as he walked into the kitchen, stood in front of the refrigerator, and then a small opening appeared, smack dab in the middle of Toto's chest. A human hand came out. It grasped the refrigerator door, pulled it open, greedily grabbed some food off the shelf. Then the dog sat back down on the floor, cross-legged, and a hand holding a leftover sandwich disappeared into the hole. I stared through the window, my heart pounding in my chest. It's a costume. There's a person in there. I hightailed it out of there. Wrapped myself in blankets and lay next to my wife, wide awake, thoughts rolling through my head. I didn't expect to fall asleep, but I must have, because the next thing I knew, a loud noise woke me from a deep sleep. Knocking. Someone was knocking. On my front door. Bleary-eyed, I hobbled down the stairs. I looked through the peephole and saw Jack, standing on my front porch, looking incredibly angry. I don't know what he wants, but I think he knows that I know, that for some reason he's keeping what appears to be a full-grown man in his house, wearing a dog costume and pretending to be a dog. Because when I went over there that night, still tipsy from the line, I totally forgot he has security cameras. Part 2. I decided to ignore Jack. Since I knew he was keeping a man in his house dressed as a dog, I figured that was my safest bet. Besides, it was almost 2 a.m. He'd just assume I was asleep, right? I know you're in there, Amir. Open up. He sounded angry. Really angry. I shrunk against the door, holding my breath, trying not to make a sound. Amir. He knocked for a few more minutes. Then, finally, I heard his footsteps retreat off the porch. I stood there for several more minutes, in case he came back. Then I checked all the locks and crept back upstairs. For the rest of the night I tossed and turned, trying to figure out what to do. I should just call the police. But what if it's consensual? What if that man, for whatever reason, agreed to pretend to be Jack's dog? Does he self-identify as a dog? Is it a furry thing? But then I thought of how angry Jack sounded. And when dawn broke, I called the cops. They didn't believe me at first, but finally they agreed to go over to Jack's and check it out. I ran over to the living room window and parted the blinds, staring out across the street at Jack's house. By the time the police car pulled up, I could hear Mandy's steps above me, but I remained glued to the window, watching. Two officers, a tall woman and a plump man, exited the vehicle and stepped up onto the porch. I saw the woman raise her fist and knock. I waited, holding my breath, but as the door cracked open, I heard it, clear as day, barking. Jack began talking to the officers, his expression darkening, and then a blur of brown and white fur shot out. My jaw dropped as the dog leapt up onto the officers. A pink tongue shot out, and it began licking them, letting out happy yelps. No, it was a real dog. It had to be. It was considerably smaller than the two officers, no way an adult man could fit in there, and it was barking and licking and jumping around. The dog suit I'd seen yesterday hadn't even been able to open its mouth. What are you doing? I turned around to see Mandy there, staring at me. Oh, uh. I sat down and explained everything to her that happened last night, but I could tell she didn't believe me. I couldn't really blame her after all. She could see a very live, very real dog jumping around Jack and the police officers. So you're saying you think, in the middle of the night, 
He let the dog man go and adopted a real one. I know it sounds crazy, but it does sound crazy, and you shouldn't go calling the cops on our neighbors unless something really bad is happening. If our house is on fire, or if someone breaks in, you think Jack is going to want to help us. But I saw it. It was a person, I swear. You were drunk. You probably just saw the dog jumping up while Jack was behind him or something, so it looked like a hand sticking out. Mandy, I swear. She shook her head and walked out of the room. Soon after, the officers came by and confirmed it. Jack was in possession of a large, very friendly, 100% real collie dog. That son of a bitch, I whispered, staring out the window as they pulled away. I knew the truth. Even if everyone else thought I was crazy, I know what I saw. That's why, later that night when I saw Jack's car pull out, I snuck out of the house and crept into his backyard. Now that I remember the security cameras, I was careful to forge a path that avoided them. But as soon as I stepped up onto the deck, arf, 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 the collie was scratching at the back door, barking at me. S-S-S-S-S-H-H-H, I tried the door. Locked, of course. Swearing, I made my way around to the side door. It was locked, too. I'll have to try tomorrow. Maybe I can come over for more cookies. I asked the police to keep my name out of the whole thing. Maybe he isn't certain it was me. I shook my head. Yeah, right. Of course he knows it was me. I started towards the front of the house. Thump. I turned around. A rattling, metallic sound, and then thump. It was coming from the basement. I ran over to the Bilko doors. They were locked, but with a padlock. Thankfully, I had a pair of bolt cutters in my garage. I crept back home, grabbed the bolt cutters, and made my way back into the yard. With a swift downward motion snap, the door was unlocked. I lifted the door open. Two black, glinting eyes stared back at me. It was him. The man in the dog suit, sitting in the center of the basement. A collar wrapped around his neck, the chain fastened to one of the support holes. I grabbed the bolt cutters and ran down the stairs. I'm going to get you out of here, I whispered, rushing towards him. No reaction. He just stared at me, still as a statue, his plastic dog first shining in the light from the one bare bulb on the ceiling. A chill crept over me. Why wasn't he? Reacting more. He didn't have to act like a dog anymore. Jack wasn't around. Why wasn't he calling for help? Or thanking me? Or something? Why was he just... staring at me? Through the dog suit? I crouched on the cold cement floor, positioning the bolt cutters across the chain. I'm going to set you free. Hold still. Zurip. A hand shot out of the dog's chest and grabbed me by the arm. Hey! But the hand only tightened around my bicep. I tried to tug free, but the nails dug into my skin. Let me go, I shouted, but the hand was pulling me in. Towards the dog's lifeless, glassy eyes, the plastic nose, the painted mouth. And then I heard something. A whisper. Behind you. I whipped around, and my blood ran cold. A silhouette sat perched above the basement's doors, peering down at us. Jack. I grabbed the bolt cutters and squeezed. Snap. The chain broke in two. The dog man leapt up and, with amazing speed for wearing a heavy costume, bounded up the stairs towards Jack. But Jack was too fast before he could slip past. He grabbed the dog by the arms and pushed him back down the stairs. Thump, thump, thump. He was still at the bottom. I grabbed the bolt cutters and ran up the steps. 
In one quick motion, I swung them at Jack. He ducked. You don't know what you're doing, Amir. You don't know the whole story. You're keeping a guy locked in your basement and forcing him to wear a dog costume. I raised the bolt cutters. Amir, just listen to me. He's not who you think he... Thwack. The bolt cutters hit the side of his head. Not that hard. I wasn't swinging to kill. But Jack crumpled to the ground, clutching his head, groaning in pain. And in that moment, I bounded down the stairs and grabbed one of the dogman's paws. Here, come on, quick, I whispered, pulling at the fake paw. Slowly, he rose. One human hand popped out of his chest. Then a second. I helped him undo the clasps on the belly and under the arms. Then the costume slowly crumpled away from him. Then I was staring at an adult man, taller than myself, wearing a border collie mask. But he didn't reach up to pop off the mask. No. He just stood there, absolutely still, staring down at me with those lifeless, glassy dog eyes, plastic brown fur shining in the light. Something about this felt wrong. I backed away, backed up the steps and out onto the lawn. His eyes never left mine. He turned his head, slowly, to watch me go. And then when I'd gotten about ten feet from the basement door, he bolted up the steps and ran across the lawn for the woods. But when he got to the tree line, he stopped. He turned around, slowly pulled off the mask, and then he was staring at me, grinning with a smile of yellowed, rotten teeth. Thank you, he whispered. And then he disappeared into the darkness. But I couldn't move, couldn't breathe, because I recognized that face. I'd seen it on the news. A man who'd been convicted of stalking and murdering three women, who then escaped from prison earlier this year, and the pieces clicked into place. His name, if I remembered correctly, it was Sam Baker. And Jack, he was Jack Baker. Jack slowly pulled himself up, groaning in pain. Amir, he said, staring into my eyes. Did you just set my brother free? Just to give you some background, I grew up in a not-so-big city, but it was the largest one in our state. This city had a reputation for being a bit rough, with quite a bit of violence and crime. I lived right on the edge of one of the toughest parts of the city. My home was in a trailer park, the closest one to a bar right next door. However, this bar had a bad reputation. It would often get shut down because of all the noise and fights happening there, but it would always reopen as long as they changed the name of the place. I never really understood why they had that rule. Anyway, I was no stranger to encountering sketchy and not-so-nice people who seemed to show up out of nowhere. I also had many neighbors I was warned to stay away from. That's just how things were in that area. I learned from a young age that you should be careful because people can be dangerous. Our trailer was positioned with a fence on one side, separating us from the bar and one other trailer. That other trailer was often empty or abandoned. For a long time, there was a single mom and her two daughters living there, younger than me. During those years, it felt like having a safety net against anything scary. However, when the single mom and her kids were forced to leave, a creepy guy moved in, and that's when things changed for me. I was in my first year of high school, about 13 or 14 years old. My home life wasn't like the happy families on TV, but I didn't know any different back then, and I was pretty naive. I was just starting to realize that my situation wasn't like what other people had. I was really sad when those girls who used to be my neighbors had to leave. 
They were younger than me, but were my only friends in the trailer park, especially after some really unfair evictions that my crazy old landlady did a few years ago. Then this man moved in. He was the only one officially living there, but during the first year or so, I often saw him in his yard with a group of guys. They were older than me, but younger than my parents, probably in their late 20s to mid 30s. Sometimes he and his friends would behave badly when they were drunk, similar to the people at the bar from the other side. Things got weird right from the day he moved in. Unfortunately, the first weirdness came from my stepfather, who was just a really awful person. He was proud of being racist and found it amusing. So, within about two weeks, my stepfather had a six-foot fence built between our trailers. He didn't want the new neighbor on the tiny strip of our property that had never been an issue before. Of course, he took great pleasure in saying mean and hurtful things while we built it. But our new neighbor never complained about my stepfather's hurtful words or the strange fence. He was very polite and would always wave when we came home. This made me feel bad, embarrassed, and like I owed this stranger for not reacting to my stepfather's hate with more hate, but instead with kindness. Unfortunately, this reaction led to a dangerous situation. Even before the fence was finished, he and his friends would move closer to the front of his trailer whenever they saw me going to check the mailbox by myself. Our mailbox was in the middle of the trailer park, and it was one of my chores to collect the mail. I would go to the mailbox, and they would be inside on the porch or in the yard. But every time I came back, they would gather in the front or driveway. He would greet me, and his friends would just stare and then laugh. In my family, it was a joke for a long time how scared and uneasy I would get around strangers. They all thought I would grow out of it and find it funny, but I haven't and I don't. My gut feeling has kept me safe many times, so I'm not ashamed of being cautious anymore. I used to quietly say hello, try to smile, and give them a wave. But I'm pretty sure I always looked scared because that was my usual state. I thought they were laughing because I seemed afraid. But as time went on, I felt more comfortable saying hello and waving. They still laughed though, and it made me uneasy all over again. Couldn't figure out why they were laughing. Were they laughing at me, my voice, my smile, the way I waved, did I walk strangely? Mostly, I just wished they would ignore me at that point. Then one day, as I walked to the mailbox, the neighbor came up to me and started walking with me, and that became our daily routine. He would walk with me and ask me normal questions about my day, school, and stuff like that. I didn't really like it. It was more than just my usual anxiety. I felt like alarms were going off in my head every time he was near me, but I didn't trust my own feelings back then. I'd been told so many times that I was being foolish for being scared, so I kept scolding myself for being overly cautious about this nice man who had never done anything wrong. One thing to mention is that he never checked his mailbox when we went there together. If he had, it might have made me feel a bit better. If he just needed to get his mail, then it wouldn't have been strange for him to walk with me. One particular afternoon, the nature of our conversations during these trips began to change. A few days later, we were at the mailboxes again, and then he suddenly said, Hey, don't tell your dad I said this, but you've got really great legs. I don't know why, but at that time I just wanted to cry and take a shower. My parents took a long time to realize that I might not be telling the truth when I said there was nothing in the mailbox. On that day, my mom got mad at me, thinking I was just too lazy to walk to the mailbox. Finally, I told her the truth. 
I was scared of the neighbor, and then I told my mom what happened at the mailbox when he went with me and what he said. Well, my mom found it really funny. She thought I was being silly and shy, getting scared for no reason. She even brought it up during dinner and insisted I tell my stepfather. I kind of hoped that maybe he'd understand. After all, the neighbor told me not to tell him, so he must have known it wasn't right. But my stepdad stayed quiet for a bit, and then he said, Well, you do have nice legs, so what? I felt embarrassed because it seemed like it was nothing, and I needed to just calm down. So, I eventually got back to checking the mail. But strangely, the neighbor didn't come with me anymore. It made me feel guilty because I was worried I had hurt his feelings. He also wasn't hanging out with friends as much. For a while, he was hardly ever home, but when he was, he was alone. Now, fast forward a few months. I started seeing him randomly when I was home alone or checking the mail. He would wave and smile at me, making me feel even more ashamed for overreacting. But then one evening while I was taking a shower, my mother banged on the door and yelled at me for steaming up the bathroom, saying it could make the carpet mold. So, like I had done many times before, I turned the crank to open a small window in the shower to let some steam out. This window was pretty much at the top, near my forehead. It was only about four to five inches tall and went along the whole wall of the shower. I had been opening it while showering almost every day since I was five or six, but you couldn't really see the person in the shower, just their head. And even then, you'd have to be looking closely to notice it. I opened it a little, but then I heard a noise, so I looked out. I made eye contact with the neighbor right away. I quickly crouched down a bit to hide my head and tried to continue with my shower, but I felt exposed and really uncomfortable. A couple of minutes later, I decided to peek out the window again just to make sure it was just a coincidence. But he was still there, leaning on his porch railing, and he smiled slowly when our eyes met once more. Then I closed the window and hurried to finish my shower, kept telling myself it was all just a coincidence and that I was overreacting. But after it happened about three times, I started taking very quick, cold showers so I wouldn't have to open the window. Not long after these uncomfortable shower incidents began, he started waiting outside for me when I got home from school. I used to walk home from the bus stop, and he always seemed to be in front of his trailer. At first, it was just occasionally, but then it became an everyday thing. He would step into my path and block me from reaching my front gate. He would make small talk just like he did when we walked to the mailbox. I always replied politely, but also told him that I really needed to get inside and take care of my dogs. They had been alone all day while my parents were at work, and I had been at school. Around that time, a girl about a year younger than me moved into the park at the far other end. She was friendly, and we had a class together, but we didn't really talk to each other. That changed one day when we got off the bus and she asked if I wanted her to walk with me. I was surprised and confused by her offer, but I was also excited because I thought maybe he'd leave me alone if I wasn't by myself. So I agreed, and then she asked if I knew the strange guy who lived next door to me. I felt so relieved that someone else found him creepy that I wanted to cry and laugh at the same time. She told me that about a week before, she had stopped at the landlord's trailer to ask a question, but when she left the landlord's trailer, she saw me walking to my door, and he was just standing there, watching. As soon as he noticed her, he started walking with her and tried talking to her. He even told her she had beautiful hair. She told him to go away and then ran all the way home. 
Now she and I came up with a plan where she would walk me to my driveway. Then I'd stay on my porch and watch her until she turned the corner where I couldn't see her anymore, and he couldn't see her either. Eventually, he stopped waiting for us after school. A couple of weeks passed with nothing strange happening. It was now fall, and when I left for the bus stop in the mornings, it was dark outside. My new friend only rode the bus in the afternoon, but one morning he saw me leaving for the bus and called out to wish me a good day. From then on, he was always there when I left the house. My parents both had early work shifts, so I was usually alone from around 5.30 a.m. It was obvious because their cars were gone. At first, he would act like he had some outdoor chores to do at the same time I was leaving and act surprised to see me. Then he just started sitting in front of his house, waiting. Halloween came, and I wore a costume to school. I was 15 years old, and like most costumes you can buy at Party City or Walmart, it was a bit revealing. It wasn't anything wild. I was dressed as a midnight spider witch or something like that. The costume was a long-sleeved dress that went down to my ankles, but it was tighter than what I usually wore. It had a low neckline and a slit up the side that went higher than it should. I waited and watched through that tiny window in the shower and didn't leave at my usual time. Then I saw him go inside his house, so I made a quick move to leave, but he caught up to me before I even got past his driveway. He made some really creepy comments about how I was growing up nicely and warned me to be careful with boys. I ran for the bus stop, calling back over my shoulder that I had to hurry or I'd miss the bus. After this incident, I tried my best to avoid being outside my home alone from then on. A couple of months later, I got a job and decided to drop out of school and get my jed. I basically spent as little time at home as possible. We had a few uncomfortable encounters where he would say weird things like, You've got a good figure, just what men want. Be careful not to lose that figure. But with help from friends, it became pretty easy to avoid him. But here's a surprise. About three years later, for some reason, the FBI arrested my stepfather, and he went to federal prison. So my mother found herself living alone in the trailer after I had moved out. One night while we were on the phone, she asked, What do you think of Bobby? I responded that I didn't know who Bobby was. She seemed a bit annoyed and said, He's been living next door for years. Don't you remember? Your dad didn't like him. Then I chuckled and said, Oh, you mean that creepy guy? Well, obviously, I think he's creepy. There was an awkward silence and then she said, Well, he kissed me today. I think I like him. This left me in shock and upset silence, and I reminded her about the comments he had made about my legs and all the other creepy stuff he had done. Her response was, Oh, you know how you are. You're just always scared of everyone. You probably just had a crush on him and didn't realize it. But as it turns out, their romantic relationship didn't work out. Instead, he tried to live in her trailer without permission and had to be kicked out forcibly. So I'm really glad I moved away from there and don't have to see him again. Thank goodness.